What's up, everyone? We're back for another episode of Locked On Bucks. Back, back for another start of a new week of Locked On Bucks, I should say. And it's, uh, you know, for the first time maybe all season, pretty good pretty good vibes around the Bucks, I would say. They're streaking. Three straight wins. It's unbelievable. They're above 500. Uh, still a playing tournament team, but there's plenty to discuss here. A massive weekend from Giannis. We'll get into that. Uh, I'm interested by what we've seen from Bobby Portis here in the last few weeks. And we can break down some of the other stuff we saw from these two games, the win over Oklahoma City and then also the Orlando Magic. So let's get into it. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. You can see me and hear me on this show daily and also find my work over at ESPN and NBA Australia. And joining me as he regularly does on Sunday evenings from the Bucks Radio Network is uh, Justin Garcia. And uh, I mentioned the Bucks have a three-game winning streak here, which is a season high. They're above 500, which has you know, become commonplace over these last few seasons here. But it's been a little bit of a struggle out the gate. We know the reasons why. Uh, we identified this stretch in the schedule as potentially a, a, a run of games where they might be able to get back on track. It hasn't exactly been perfect, but they've been able to do that and they've been able to bank some of these wins, which has been fun. So we can get into that in a second. As always, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen of every single day. Uh, like I mentioned the other day, if you haven't jumped on YouTube yet, uh, make sure you do that. Come on, have a look. You'll be able to see that Justin's got a, a chair today. He's usually standing, but he looks very comfortable uh, right now as we're recording this podcast. Uh, and you can subscribe there and and join in the fun. Join in the fun as the, the Bucks continue to gather some momentum. So I guess before we start today, Justin, we should mention pretty rough day, obviously, in, in Wisconsin with everything that's gone on. We've seen the Bucks have just released a, a statement for the incident that Happened in Walkshaw. It's only, or as we're recording this right now, it's 10.45 p.m. Central Time on Sunday night. So obviously uh, continuing to develop there, but it does feel like the last year or whatever, it's been constant bad news and one thing after the other. And I know either some of our listeners will live there, will know people that live there. Um, I know being a, being a local, it's obviously probably um, impacted you today as well. So I thought we should mention that off the top. Obviously a pretty rough day. Yeah, well, it's actually my hometown too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I mean, look, it's there's no, there's no one of these instances where it's less severe, but uh, for it to take place at a Christmas parade too, where, I mean, I know that's the last thing on your mind in any of these instances, but in in those moments especially where, um, you know, that's the last thing you're envisioning happening there, and I've seen a lot of stories from people that have marched in that that parade numerous times it's it's very popular and i believe the attendance at the event today was um even more than it usually is just because of the weather so um yeah it's um it's rather tragic obviously and uh, my thoughts are with everybody that was there and that was impacted by it because i can't imagine what it was like to experience that and to go through even if you weren't somebody that was you know directly impacted by it if you were there and had to witness that 
So, like I said, the Bucks just a few minutes ago have released a statement of their own. It feels like they've had to release far too many statements over the last year or 18 months, like I said. I mean, it's just getting ridiculous. But, um, yeah, hope everyone's doing okay. We thought we should mention that right off the top. And perhaps this podcast is is somewhat of a distraction as we talk basketball and, and try to have some fun as we normally do. Uh, Giannis was interesting over the weekend as we transitioned to this back-to-back. So, again... You know, when we look at these teams that the Bucs had, obviously Oklahoma City, a couple of games against Orlando, then you get Detroit. We said, all right, I don't know if this is the game where we're going to walk away and say, okay, the Bucs are back if they win all four games, but it's going to be a nice feeling if you can win these games. And I, I think the one thing that just stands out to me, I mean, watching Giannis, was, was, it's always a joy, but it was a joy across the weekend. The numbers he put up were just absolutely ridiculous. I tweeted after the game that I don't actually think that he was at his best. Still... You know, like if you put it on the Giannis scale, and I don't know how you feel about this, but Giannis at his best felt like the Lakers game. And, you know, he was unbelievably efficient, physically dominant, doing whatever he wanted. The game against Oklahoma City and then the Orlando Magic just felt like a guy that was too big, too strong, too powerful. And maybe he wasn't at his best from a touch perspective, from finishing ability, maybe left some points on the board there. But the numbers were just absolutely absurd as I I have him here over over the two games. Over the back-to-back, he averaged 26.5 points, 19.5 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals, 3.5 blocks. And I'm sitting here saying maybe he wasn't at his best. That's absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah, and I know a lot of the the stats have gone around of over what he did in that uh, game against the Magic. That he was the first player in mm-hmm. in what almost seventy years to uh, have the thirty and twenty and five assists in thirty five minutes or less. I saw too. He is one of five players because he played thirty minutes, just over thirty minutes in that game. He's one of five players in league history to have a 30-20 stat line in 30 minutes or less. And believe it or not, the last player to do it was Hassan Whiteside. So it's Giannis, three other Hall of Famers, and Hassan Whiteside are the five that have done it. But, you know, it's it's becoming – it's already been to that level where it's it's common occurrence for us to say, hey, Giannis is the first player to do this since this player did it. And it's just this this whole week has (laughs) reminded you of – okay, this is what this team is. And I know you talked about that a little bit at the top, but three straight wins for the first time all season. They're above 500 for the first time since the first week of the season. This is the latest into a season they've been under 500 under Bud, and we're a month into the season. So this whole week, seeing Giannis do that, seeing Chris back on the floor, and again, seeing the team as close to fully healthy as they've been all season is just a reminder of, yeah, this is what this team is supposed to look like. And now, I mean, I think, you know, I've talked about this quite a bit too. They've been helped out quite a bit by the conference. We've talked about the Eastern Conference being better this year. It is. But everybody but the Nets and the bottom two teams, who, by the way, they play three of their five against in this homestand, everybody but those three teams has essentially played 500 for the last two weeks or so. So that's allowed the Bucks to even going through those injuries and the struggles to still stay in the thick of that hunt. And I mean, they win tonight, whenever you listen to this, if they win game two against the magic, they're probably going to be fifth in the East. So that just shows you how volatile and how bunched up the teams are in the conference. 
Yeah, part of it is obviously the health and safety stuff that the teams have gone through. And look, Philadelphia is an example of that, where they yeah. started off really, really hot, and then without Joel Embiid and multiple players, actually. Everybody, basically, yeah. 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 It's been difficult for them. Um, there's been other teams like the Celtics that have been impacted by that. The Knicks have sort of come back to earth a little bit, even though I think they're kind of the middle-of-the-pack team. But... Um, you know, like we spoke about it. The Bucks went through their rough patch. What we hope is their rough patch, and hopefully now they can get going a little bit. Um, but as we just look at some of the numbers for Giannis, and when I say, because I, I always, there's always people, and there'll be a little bit of pushback saying, well, what, what, what are you talking about? Look at the numbers. Like, what do you mean he wasn't at his best? This is the bar that he set himself for the efficiency numbers. So in the game against Oklahoma City, he was six for 16 from the field. Uh, he had the 21 points, and then the game against Orlando, he was 8 for 16 from the field. And you look at it on the surface, and you say, okay, 8 for 16 from the field. That's fine. That's great. 50% from the field, no problem there. But if you look at his two-point percentage on the season this year, he's at around 57%, which, again, is this this is the good stuff. Yeah, this is impressive It's very good. Stuff. Most players will take that. <laughs> yeah, but, it, but compared to the last three seasons, he was at, at his lowest mark was at around 63%, which is obviously out of this world absurd. So I, I guess the question with Giannis is, is that going to start to climb up? Um, we'll see. He's obviously been playing a bit of a different role and he's been working extremely hard. So some of these misses that we've seen him that you kind of just look at and say, what did Giannis miss that layup or he didn't quite finish that play? Um, it might just be honestly fatigue, but I think that these games that we saw on the weekend was was him, again, just a reminder for everyone that he can just outwork everyone because uh, these teams weren't able to physically uh, stand up to him, obviously both really young squads. But that two-point percentage is something that I'm fascinated in. I guess the thing that, the other thing that stands out is that the, the free throw attempts are at a career high Right, and there's been so much talk about different interpretations of the rule. We never imagined that Giannis was going to be one of the players that that would impact, just generally because of the nature of how he gets to the free throw line. But 10.4 free throw attempts per game, and uh, over 20, I think he had 21 in that game against Orlando yep. as well. So uh, there's 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 some when you look at the numbers, it's kind of it doesn't really look like other years in a lot of ways, but the numbers still look very much the same. I saw someone tweet this out that, okay, I think we've reached to the point where Giannis is at that sort of LeBron category where because he, it's really difficult for him to actually have these numbers continue to climb, he always gets left out of the MVP discussion. But even if we sit here and say, okay, well, he doesn't look like he's been at his absolute sharpest throughout, there's no doubt about it. The numbers are, are MVP caliber. Yeah, um, and I think the biggest thing that's hurting him right now is obviously the record, which he has, you know, the reason is because of the injuries that they've dealt with. So once they get healthy and they start to to peel off some more wins, when the Bucks make it into the top three in the Eastern Conference, then you'll start to hear his name uh, more, I think. Because, look, I know we're biased here, but I think when you watch all the games this season – to me, Giannis and Steph Curry have been the story of the season. And I think everybody brings up Steph Curry, probably the leader in the MVP discussion, but Nikola Jokic is in there. Kevin Durant is in there as well. And it, it kind of feels like two years ago where it's, you know, Giannis not so much last year, not, not so much Giannis, but then it started to come on a little bit stronger towards the end of the year. And you, you would hear more pushback of, no, you, you can't give it to him three years in a row, especially after his team didn't win a championship. But if he keeps doing this and some of those incremental gains that he's made this season, um, you know, to close out the Thunder with that shot that he did and to hear Chris Middleton talk about that shot and Giannis talk about it as well after the game on, you know, seeing the evolution of his offense and his, his overall offensive game and, 
He's not going to take anything in the game that he hasn't worked on a bunch in practice. When you look at his shot profile this year, you know some of those numbers that you mentioned, I think they can be explained by him taking more from the mid-range and looking to expand his game. It's not massive, but he's taking about one and a half shots in the mid-range more this season than he did last year, and that's meant he's taking fewer in the paint and fewer in the restricted area. So his shooting percentage on two is not quite as high there, but it's a trade-off that you're willing to take because we saw him really come into his own in that area in the playoffs in the last two rounds last year. And he's doing it with more efficiency this year that, you know, he's been a 40% shooter through these first month of the season in the mid range. And, and that's an area where he had been high twenties, low thirties throughout his career. Apologies. Just got myself on mute there, but I would be interested to see how the shot profile changes if Brooke Lopez was in the lineup. Because again, yeah. uh, I, I think part of it is Giannis definitely trying to develop his game and take different shots when you talk about the straight up mid-range jumpers and, and those kinds of things. Like I would agree with that. But I've also been of the camp that I believe that he's taking some of those shots because uh, it's part of his fatigue. And this is like easier on his body rather than ramming through five guys every single time and, and getting to the basket. So uh, we Again, we still don't know when Brooke Lopez is going to be back, but there was some sort of non-update that came out via The Athletic the other day where he has a date in mind, but nobody knows what the date is. Is the date the first round of the playoffs? Is the date Christmas? Is it halfway through February, the All-Star break? Who knows? So uh, we'll wait and see. But I guess when they say that he keeps on progressing, we take that as a positive. But either way, Giannis, I think... I think you're right. I've got no problem right now, particularly when you look at the record. I mean, Steph is just yeah. absolutely must-watch right now. He would be the the MVP front runner. But if the Bucks continue to build, they build on that record, they start to climb towards the top of the East, and he's still out there averaging 29, 12, 6, and 2 and 2, then, yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard to ignore. it. The, the fatigue factor always comes into it. We understand uh, that when it comes to the MVP. I want to talk about Bobby Portis. There was some Bobby chance again the other night. Uh, he provided us, as we, we showed the other day on the show, that one of the, the great all-time gifts as well. I mean, everyone loves Bobby. But there's interesting. There's some interesting numbers around his shot profile as well. Obviously, he's playing a, a different role. So I want to get to that. But before that, I want to talk about prize picks, which has the best NBA DFS, uh, which is the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. Prize picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator. And offers all the superstar players as well as the bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. So all of the users that deposit and use the promo code NBA will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. So what you do is you pick two to five players uh, and an over and under on their projections and you can win up to 10 times on any entry and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Price Picks allows uh, mixed sports entries as well. So Sunday Night Football just wrapped up as we're here. But just for an example, you could take the over on a Giannis stack combined with uh, the under on a Aaron Rodgers stack, perhaps, if that's the path you want to go down, down on the weekend. So you can use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code NBA or go to the App Store and download the app today. PrizePicks is daily fantasy made easy. And speaking of Sundays with all these sports going on, um, you know that this is a familiar situation where you're trying to watch all sorts of different stuff on different device, different sports, uh, perhaps someone else in the household 
that doesn't doesn't give a crap about sports and they want to watch some sort of TV show as well, uh, I can tell you about a way, a simple way that you can get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream and it brings your life, uh, live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies and shows all in the one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there is no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required content varies by package. All right, we'll keep rolling here. And again, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen of every single day. Uh, but if you're done with Locked On Bucks and you move on to another podcast, a tough one for the Packers today. They went down, but you can get all the reaction with our friend Peter Bukowski over at Locked On Packers. So make sure you check that one out. Uh, before we move on to Bobby Portis, there was something else weird that happened in this game against Orlando. Uh, the crowds. Um, I was sitting there thinking to myself, well, they're playing the Orlando Magic. This game is not the most exciting game of all time. But I wasn't expecting the wave. I haven't seen the wave at a basketball game for a long time. Now, personally, I wasn't angry about it. I mean, I saw people that were angry about it. And I, you know, I, I, I couldn't bring myself to be angry about it. I was more just confused who started this, how did it happen? Uh, but either way, the Saturday night crowd seemed like they were into it. And maybe it was the loudest cheers we saw of the whole entire game. I, um, yeah, I wasn't uh, upset about it. Now in hindsight, I am, but as it happened, you were, <laughs> you were just like, wait a minute, is this actually happening? Are they doing the wave here that it took a, it took a minute to register? Well, I saw, actually, I was watching the Lakers and Pistons today, which I was glad that I was watching Lakers and Pistons. Let me tell you, I, that turned out to be a very enjoyable game to watch. Uh, Isaiah Stewart just losing the plot. He was really, he was honestly ready. He made like 12 separate attempts to try and get at LeBron. Uh, so you don't see that every day. And Well, you know what the most interesting part of that was, um, is you could hear in the background, the PA, the announcer? PA announcer, yes, uh, reminding fans in Detroit to not come on the court. Yeah, I. that was the moment where I was like, wait, should I be worried that like something's like about yeah. to happen here? And I was like, should I just be like laughing at how silly this is or should I be actually concerned? But I think it was probably just, uh, I, I didn't see anything that happened anyway. No, I, I didn't either. And I think it was just kind of the reaction to remember what happened when we yeah. had a similar also around Thanksgiving when that happened in the Malice of the Palace. But yeah, it was the same for me where it, it was almost comical to see his reaction. And then you hear that happening and think, Oh yeah, I guess this could trigger something pretty serious. Yeah, uh, well, and I, I don't know what Isaiah Stewart was—he's trying to like run around the tunnel, or yeah, I honestly just felt bad for Dwayne Casey. I mean, this guy's like in his mid-sixties, and, and it's it's up to him to try and slow down this this raging massive. I felt human. bad for for Cade Cunningham because he was the one that was trying to stay in front of him the whole time. Uh, but hey, that was a fair bit of blood, and you know, like I. I've seen a lot of people saying like LeBron will probably get suspended for that. I'm totally fine with it, but yeah. I don't know. I, I'm I'm not. Whatever. I, I didn't think it was some horrific act. You know, it's it's just it something that happened on the basketball court. But anyway, speaking of guys that know how to throw a punch, Bobby Portis, uh, you know, knocking down those three. So at one point he was six for six from three. 
in one of this was one of these. This was yesterday's game, right? Yeah, yesterday's game against Orlando. Yeah. Six for six. So he had a he had a fantastic night. In fact, you were talking about stats that we saw. I saw uh, the guy Justin Nova from Basketball Reference tweeted some uh, stat at, that Giannis and Bobby Portis were the first pair of uh, Bucks teammates to have to each have twenty and fifteen in a game since. Uh, Kareem and and I can't remember who the other player was, but it was back in like 1973. So it was a crazy stat. Probably, Bobby Port- yeah, Bobby Dandridge, I would guess. Yeah, it was it was one of one of those uh, names from the from the past. But uh, yeah, Bobby Portis was six for six. So and part of this is just noise because of the the small totals here, the small numbers. But he's back over 40 percent from three on the season. But the thing that I do like is the fact that he's taken over four threes per game. He's never really been at that mark. He's always been a guy that will get up around two a game, two and a half a game, even last year when he was shooting such a high percentage. Now, of course, part of that last year is the fact that the opportunities weren't there. He was playing few minutes. He was coming off the bench. So maybe similar to Grayson Allen, as we've spoken about, these numbers will come back to earth in terms of the the raw attempts that he's getting up per game or getting off per game. But I think there's no question that he's a guy that we've seen in the past has been very eager to get in the post and shoot a turnaround jump shot. He's been very eager to pump fake, step in and shoot a long two. Like that, that's Bobby Portis. That's what I thought of about Bobby Portis before he came to Milwaukee. He's definitely quicker on the trigger. And look, we I, I heard someone or someone tweeted at me after and said, well, the reason why he's never taken so many threes is because his release is so effing slow. That was that was the comment. Now he does wind up a little bit. There's no doubt about that. But I just like the fact that also he's willing to just get him up. And and he's, you know, if he, we all said, I don't think he's going to be a 47% three-point shooter, but if he's still around that 40% mark, you'll take that every day of the week. Yeah, he. I think he did it once in his career where he took four a game, but it, I, that might have been in Washington. But either way, I mean, every stop but Chicago that first year, it was, you know, Bobby's talking about this, a losing team where it's basically just, yeah, go ahead. We need somebody to score, so it might as well be you, Bobby. So I, I think really he, Pat Connaughton, is close to seven a game that he's taking. Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton, and Grayson Allen, watching how those numbers start to change once this team gets fully healthy. I mean, Bobby, you would you would look to Brooke Lopez for who's going to uh, have the biggest impact on what those numbers could be. You know, for Pat and for Grayson, it's, it's going to be as Dante comes back, how do they fit in? But all three of those guys have been getting up a high volume of shots. And Pat Connaughton has gotten consistently better in terms of his efficiency on threes throughout his career. And we know where Grayson Allen stands. So I just keep looking at you know those three guys and what this bench is going to look like, assuming we don't know. Maybe when Dante comes back, he's back in the starting lineup from the get-go. But either way, then it's Dante DiVincenzo on the bench. that They just have so many more options this year that I, I think it's going to help Bobby Portis's efficiency and, and for Pat Connaughton as well, that you look at what the first, what, three weeks of the season were, where they're getting heavy playing time. And it's also, hey, oh, by the way, we need you to be an offensive creator and score. I think that's only going to help these all these guys as the season goes on and as they get to full strength. And, you know, I don't see why Bobby Portis can't keep this pace up in terms of the volume of shots and threes that he's getting. Because, you know, if we examine it, even when Brooke Lopez does return, I think we're all assuming it's it's going to be there's probably going to be some more stretches where Brooke Lopez is out or is getting more rest and you're not utilizing him quite as much to help preserve him for the playoffs. So I think Bobby Portis is going to continue to have those opportunities through the season.
Yeah, Portis right now averaging 15 points and eight rebounds. Uh, he's pretty consistently a per 36 double double guy. I mean, you, you can be you can sort of rely on the fact that he'll put up that production. Um, yeah, again, it helps with the shot selection, helps with the efficiency when he's playing on a good team. But it's crazy to look at his numbers: 15 and eight, or it's around 14 and a half and eight. Uh, Grayson Allen's still averaging over 15 points per game. Pat Connaughton's getting you 12 points per game. And again, part of this, uh, the, the, that's not sustainable. That's not going to sit there. I mean, I saw some graphics, and I know this is just part of the broadcast, but the you know, the Bally Sports had Grayson Allen up there as the most improved. Okay, let's forget about it. He's not, he's not even close yeah. to being most I mean, improved. There's, a, there's <laughs> a guy called Jordan Poole that yeah. probably has something to say about that. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to be in contention for that. I doubt that he's going to be in contention for six man of the year, but that's fine. Uh, as you pointed to, I mean, this Bucks rotation, all of a sudden that you're like, geez, we're playing some guys that I didn't expect we were going to play. Now it's starting to shake out and look a little more familiar, obviously with the big piece um, that's out there with Brooke Lopez. And we'll see. I saw I saw someone tweet. I think, it was, again, it was Old Resorter. We always bring him up because he always brings up, you know, interesting comments to the conversation. But he sort of pointed out the nine-man rotation. Rodney Hood wasn't in that. Uh, uh, Shemi Ojale wasn't in that. And, you know, the, again, the big man sort of situation, we'll see. We'll see. If you can get away with, like, the Bobby, the Brook, and the and the Giannis rotation there, and then you play small a little bit and slide some guys up, maybe that's enough. Like Frank said in, in the podcast last week, I mean, my biggest question still for this team, it's not about the regular season, but it's for a potential playoff series is, they probably don't have the guy that they had last year for Durant, which, you know, would they have got through if they didn't have PJ Tucker? I don't know. Yeah. That's still the biggest question mark. I think we all probably suspect there'll be a change to uh, the roster, though. So so we'll see. But that's that's kind of where I'm, I'm sitting. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no uh, Kevin Durant defender on this team, but there's, there's no Kevin Durant defender in the league. But I, it's also, you know, the size issues that we've talked about throughout the year, you need Brooke Lopez, but in the Eastern conference, unless something changes here, they're probably going to be able to play small quite a bit, depending on their playoff matchups, because a lot of these teams are going that route. And, and, you know, one of the other things that we haven't had a chance to see yet, we don't know what their closing lineup will be, what the defensive lineup will be, what's going to be the, let's, you know, get the offense going lineup because we haven't had a chance to see the team at full strength, but I mean, it's not hard to imagine playing small where Giannis is at the five and, and you can play guys like Pat Connaughton and Dante DiVincenzo. And these are guys that play a position up from where they are that it gives you the opportunity to keep four guards on the floor with Giannis because of that. So I think their best lineups we obviously haven't seen yet is there's been one game this season where they've had Brooke Lopez. So it's all going to be just a work in progress and and we'll it, it, kind of like last year where it wasn't until after the all-star break that it felt like they finally got into that rhythm and figured things out. It's probably going to be the same thing this year because of the injuries. And the last thing I'll say about Bobby Portis too, when he missed that seven, three, the only one he missed in the game that would have set the bucks record for the most threes made in a game without a miss. Mm, yeah. Well, and just imagine telling the crowd Bobby Portis has just set another Bucks record, and what the reaction would have been. Well, I guess we 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 would have gotten a second wave. I'm not sure. Yeah, well, we would have. I'm not sure if I should admit this now that uh, I just finished hitting send on my tweet about his three point percentages, and then he missed it. So I guess uh, I guess it's safe to say I cost. Uh, Bobby Portis a record but uh, the good news for him though is that uh, I, I may have cost him a record but next time I get to Milwaukee next time I see him I can offer him a built bar 
So that that's that's at least going to be, I'm sure, uh, adequate uh, consolation for Bobby Portis because it's the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. Uh, one slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, but that's on the low end. There's you know, probably more than that. You're probably looking at more than that. But Bilt Bars are only 130 calories, and then you have four grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace the coconut cream pie with coconut Bilt Bar or go for a raspberry Bilt Bar instead of that raspberry pie. There's lots of good flavors to replace uh, any type of pie that you would normally have on Thanksgiving. So you know, don't worry about bringing out the pie. Just bring out a plate full of Bilt Bars, and I'm telling you, everyone is going to be happy. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. They're a great option when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a Bilt Bar or two before then. You can share them at those family gatherings, and it'll make everything less awkward. That's guaranteed. There's new surprises all month. Limited flavors arriving at Built.com regularly, so check out the site. Often just go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Just as we finish up that point and and look to sort of wrap up this episode, I think when it comes to the lineup stuff, that's where, you know, obviously, again, we speak about Dante being the forgotten guy, but also uh, the fact that Pat Connaughton is now this clutch shooter. I mean, it really, it, it's quite incredible. And and I know I know what some people will be thinking. I've just gone and said, well, they don't have a Kevin Durant defender. And there was a chart that was put out, uh, a Kirk Goldsbury chart, I, I think it was, from ESPN the other day in terms of guys that have had success defending uh, Kevin Durant. And Giannis and Drew Holiday were sort of near the top. There was certainly the... The shooting percentages for Durant were uh, worse against or lower against Giannis and Drew Holiday than they were PJ Tucker. So people sort of said, well, it's crazy you lose PJ Tucker, but you've still got these two guys. And Chris Milton, in fact, was uh, around that mark uh, that PJ Tucker was as well. I think the point being that last year, what they allowed themselves to do is have Chris, Giannis, and Drew uh, obviously carry such a focal point of the offense. So you yeah, I've always actually thought that Chris was potentially their best option yes. because his length and his size and and then Drew's an interesting option because he's so strong and he can sometimes get him to different spots on the floor, but he ultimately doesn't have the size to really bother him on those jump shots. But I don't want them to be doing that for seven games. It's It's not an ideal situation. So that's kind of how I would explain when I say that they don't have the Kevin Durant guy. They do on any given night, sure. I'm not sure yeah. you want to put them through that for seven games. Yeah, and it's it's interesting too because Drew historically has done a really good job and had success against Kevin Durant dating back to his Western Conference days, but he 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 struggled against him in that series last year in the limited uh, instances that he was defending him. That it was basically just PJ was the only one that succeeded. You don't want to have to put Chris on him and then take away some of Chris's offense. But I mean, I do wonder. We're getting way ahead of ourselves, but if Drew would be the best option there or a combination of Drew and Chris because, you know, I know James Harden has had an uptick in free throws, but part of what makes him so difficult to defend is the fouls and knowing he's going to craft those calls and get himself to the free throw line and and how you have to be cognizant of what he can do to draw those. And if that is at least diminished, if not gone, I mean, when you're at full strength, you do have a guy like Dante DiVincenzo that you could put on James Harden at times. So you don't have the P.J. Tucker as the perfect, this is the guy that just worries about uh, Kevin Durant, but you do have some options. 
yeah, we talk about Kevin Durant because he feels like the most unguardable guy in the league. He's just so unique. But there's a bunch of guys in the Eastern Conference, even if you look at a team like Chicago. I know we'll talk about them moving forward, but a guy like DeRozan that's always killed the Bucks and Zach Levine, and those, those two guys are just absolutely crushing it in isolation at the moment. So, yeah, it's it's you know defensively, this team still has some things uh, to figure out. But fortunately, they've got a game with Orlando tomorrow and then a game with Detroit. So... Uh, without getting ahead of ourselves, we said hopefully that they can work through these games. We'll be back uh, to do a post-game show to talk a little more specifically. This is kind of a general weekend uh, recap that we've we've provided here on this show, but we'll have a, a standard post-game show after this game against uh, the Magic there tomorrow. Uh, did you get a piece of the floor, by the way, Justin? Uh, so... Okay, I well, I, I, feel, I feel like I shouldn't have asked this question. <laughs> no, um, I... Um... I did not get a piece of the floor. And we did an interview um, with Michael Balot, who listens to the show quite a bit at halftime of the game prior, showing it. And I had joked with uh, those that set up the interview of, yeah, I'll talk to Michael, just have him bring up a piece of the floor and leave it for me, and that'll be great. But the hint fell on deaf ears. You didn't, like, you know, just want to – take a hacksaw down to the floor or something and pretend that you, you got your own piece, just cut a little corner yeah, off. It was, it was funny. Um, I, he did bring up one of the pieces and I got to see what fans were getting at the game and the certificate of authenticity that shows you here's where it actually came from is really neat. Um, but he was telling me uh, all the things that they plan on doing with the, the floor from that, that, I mean, you can basically order whatever you want that there's serving trays that are going to be made out of that. A uh, five serve is getting the portion of the court that says five serve for them. And they're actually hanging that in their headquarters. So they have a lot of plans to, to split the rest of it. Cause that was only a portion of the court, a very small portion that was given out on Saturday, but there's a lot of other neat things that are going to happen. And they're going to continue to release things like that at the pro shop and online through the year. No, I love it. Uh, going back a few years ago, those that listen to the podcast for a long time know I'm an Oakland Athletics fan. And uh, even though, you know, tough times for the A's right now. But uh, going back a few years ago, you could buy at MLB.com, you can buy like the the broken bat, you know, whatever, like stuff like that. Um, and I bought a broken bat uh, bottle opener. And it was cool because it told you exactly the, the, the pitch, exactly the game, the date that... Uh, that that bottle opener came from. So all those types of things are cool. And I think I saw some bottle openers with the court as well. So all that yeah. stuff, um, all that stuff is really cool. So I'm sure if you missed out at the game or you weren't able to get them, you'll still be able to get uh, your piece of history there. Uh, all right, let's wrap it up. I'll mention the Locked On Bets podcast first, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight uh, from Lee Sterling. And just one last plug as we wrap it up here. Make sure you go to Eric Name's Twitter. And check out, and I'm saying go to Eric Name's Twitter because this is the worst plug of all time, but check out what's going on at Broken Bat. Uh, it, I believe it. there's a game tomorrow, so I believe it must be Tuesday night, 7 p.m. at Broken yep. Bat Brewing, our friend Seth Partner. He's booked the mid-range theory. They're going to be there. They're going to be discussing the book. You'll be able to get your hands on the copy. He'll probably be signing them. Uh, Eric will be there as well, and Dave DeFore as well from The Athletic. Yep. So, yeah, Broken Bat, one of my absolute favorite places uh, in the city. So make sure you go down there. You can see Eric and uh, and have some fun. It'll be a fun night. 
Yeah, it'll uh, it'll be a fun night. And I mean, you say it's one of your favorite places. You haven't been to the new location, though. So we'll see if it changes in that new location. I was just there the other night, too, with uh, Ben Brust. So hmm. talking about maybe we'll stop by on Tuesday as well to check this out. I'm going to see Justin as well, Justin and Ben. And yeah, I, I love Broken Bad. I've got one of those mugs uh, in the mug club. It's just got to be covered with dust now or they've just, yeah, or they've just forgotten about me and given it to someone else i don't know who knows but anyway i'll get back there at some point but for now we'll wrap it up uh, like i said box and magic tomorrow we'll be back after that game so for myself and justin we'll speak to you guys then <laughs>